to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to another exciting edition of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm going to buy you a thesaurus for your birthday. You said that before. Or just the page that says exciting. Why don't you get some new material, Taylor? Why don't you, asshole? <laughs> this is episode 107 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. We're happy to have you guys back. Anybody that might be listening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so we've got a show ahead of us, guys. Indeed we do. <laughs> uh, so before we get started, we want to talk about uh, 3 two, one Battle. We do. Battle Mania is this Friday. 3 two, one Battle is the place for the weirdest wrestling in the Pacific Northwest. And on April 20th, they'll be hosting their biggest show, Battle Mania. In the main event, Joshi Slayer Cat Power will contend for the Solid Steel Championship. Solid Steel! Against wrestling genius Daniel Maccabe. Big Cat Scott Henson and Caden Talbane will face off with a pair of CZW World Heavyweight Champions in B-Boy and Ricky Shane Page. Eddie Van Gloom and Dave Turner will finally have the perfect chance to end their blood feud in an unsanctioned match. Commissioner Steve Miggs has become embroiled in a bitter fight with resident hoodlums the Hellfire Club. Steve West, Sarian, Uncle Muscles, and Sage will face Cole Crazy, The Bird, Steve Miggs, and a mystery partner. Fuck Steve West. Streaming live on twitch.tv slash 321battle. You can be in the know by dropping a follow there on Facebook or on Twitter, all at which are 321. That's the numbers, 321battle. Woo! Wrestling. Wrestling! <laughs> or, or, or wrestling. Wrestling. You can hear hand on the handset. Don't worry about him. He's an idiot. <laughs> Fuck you, Alex. <laughs> I don't care if it is your birthday. <laughs> Maybe you'll die today, too. <laughs> <laughs> too much. Too much. This is too far. Too, too dark. <laughs> uh, anyway, so how you doing, Taylor? I'm doing quite well. And yourself? Uh, not bad. What's new with you? Uh, not much, really. Cool. Tomorrow's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wrestling, uh, you know, I was at the gym the other day, and um, they have like just anybody that's been to a Planet Fitness, they've got just like screens from one end of the building to the other, just playing all different channels. And they had, I think it was USA playing, but they were playing uh, like a thing about the history of WrestleMania. I couldn't hear it, but that's what I assumed. And I saw Roman Reigns, and he was jacking off his arm. Is that like a thing he does? Yeah. That's dumb. He, he does it before literally every Superman punch. Like, even if it's, like, in the heat of the moment, he still will, will take this, uh, the second to... Is, that, is he supposed to be, like, cocking a shotgun? I guess. That's dumb. And yeah. he goes... It's stupid. He's stupid. I hate him. It looks like he's jacking off his arm. It does. I'm waiting for someone to just post a gif of just him. Like, you know those uh, images of... Uh, of uh, Stone Cold, where they where he had his arms up, but his arms are snakes. Yeah, uh, they should do that with him. Except his arm is a dick. his arm is just a big dick, yeah. and it's just spunking just, in his face, just, <laughs> in his own face. <laughs> oh, good, um, cool. Nothing else new. Not really. Fun. Nesgoda wants to know if you're trying to be part of Mustache Mountain. What the hell's Mustache Mountain? <laughs> uh, it's a tag team of two guys with awesome mustaches. Oh, uh, well, no. But that's only because my mustache stands alone. <laughs> the cheese stands alone. Um, no, I've spent a lot of time cultivating this. Cultivating mass? <laughs> yes. 
Seriously, I've, I've started growing this in, well, let's see, as soon as I was done filming for um, They Reach. So that was February, January, maybe. So it's been a while. And it's just now getting to the point where, like, I that's this is how I want it. <laughs> um, I think I might start growing out a beard, though, like when it gets into fall. Just I haven't had a beard in a while. Yeah. Just rock the beard. Rock the beard. Obey the beard. <laughs> um, Speaking of Mr. Nesgoda, we'd like to thank our, uh, our Patreon patrons, including Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, the Horror Addicts, and Max Health. Uh, thank you all for contributing to the show. If you would like to join them, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast and get some exclusive content for as little as $1. That's right. It is. <laughs> Patreon's exciting place to be, guys. You get all kinds of stuff. We are going to be doing a Drunken Cinema next week. We're bringing it back. And part of those perks, or part of your Patreon perks is you get to watch us live as we're getting more and more drunk while we watch a movie. Yep. And uh, actually earlier that day, we'll be at the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors That's Festival. That's true. Which will be fun. Maybe we'll get a little... Start getting a little wrecked there. Yeah, start early. Why not? They serve drinks there, don't they? Uh, beer, beer and wine. Yeah, maybe I'll hit a bar beforehand. Yeah, we go to the uh, what's the place right across the street? Mecca. Sure, we can go down the street afterwards and to Ozzy's, and we can get drunk and uh, do karaoke. Yeah, we could. <laughs> because who doesn't like doing drunk karaoke? Idiots, drunk karaoke. <laughs> that, Sweet. That, that's what you're. That's what you're going with. You got something better, smartass. <laughs> uh, so this isn't really part of horror business, but um, did you hear about this guy who came out? Um, where he's he's suing the Duffer Brothers for Stranger Things. Yes. Uh, he um claims that he wrote or, uh, he wrote or he actually made a short film, I guess, mm-hmm. called Montauk, which he says is. Pretty much the exact same premise as Stranger Things. And he actually pitched it to the Duffers right. with the idea of a series. Yeah. And, you know, that people that pitch things, like unsolicited things to uh, people in the business, and, you know, they basically run away with their fingers in the ears. La, 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 la. This is why. Yeah. <laughs> because it's unsolicited. Which means if they make anything that's even minutely close to that idea, then the person can come out of the woodwork and say, hey, that was my idea. And I told them about this 10 years ago. Right. Um, and it's like, I don't, I mean, I haven't seen Montauk. The The premise sounded sort of simi- similar. But, I mean, there are obviously some major differences from what I can tell. Yeah. and Well, I mean, the original name of Stranger Things was actually Montauk. But they're both based on a book, I believe. The Montauk Project. That's right. Um, and the Duffers have emails from four years before they ever met this guy pitching Stranger Things. <laughs> so he has no he has no leg to stand on. Yeah. Just wasting everybody's time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So that's fun. Yeah. They're adding Stranger Things to Hollywood Horror Nights. Yeah. And if uh, if David Harbour gets 300 ret- retweets, then he's going to go dressed as 11 with 11 11-year-olds. Sounds a little creepy. Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I can see what he's doing, but <laughs> it's like I see what you're going for, but uh, 
I saw this clickbait. Optics. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this clickbait thing on uh, Facebook, uh, I don't know, a month, maybe two ago, um, where it's like, uh, this girl asked David Harbour to take her senior pictures with her. You'll never believe what happened next. It's like, it made it sound so salacious, like <laughs> like he showed up with his dick out or something. Yeah, and it's like, you know what happened next? He did. Yeah. It's like, it showed a little <laughs> bit of like a, like a part of a tweet from him saying, you people are actually supporting this? <laughs> it's just like all he want, he wanted his one condition was that she had to get a certain amount of retweets and he, his like his his one <laughs> writer was that he had to be in the commer- or in the pictures with a trombone right and he wanted a, a shirt with the school name on it right um and so yeah he went into the pictures but this fucking article made it like the 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 lead into it made it sound so dirty those fucking like buzzfeed things and all the other garbage websites that do that kind of shit it's just so annoying yeah and it's like you know i i found out that uh like you know i'd be scrolling through my feed and like i could actually watch these ads just disappear just blink out of existence it's like what the fuck is happening <laughs> It's like, I mean, mostly it's okay, but sometimes I want to read those. Yeah. Just because, you know, I'm trying to kill time or, or whatever. The other ones I hate are it's like, check out these 24 people who epically failed or whatever. And you then you go there and it's like, click, click through, click through, click through. And it's like, just give me the full fucking list. Right. On one page. Yeah, it's because they need more pages in mm-hmm. which to bombard you with ads. And get more clicks. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I found out it's because of my ad blocker. I, I had no idea that my ad blocker was working that well. <laughs> it's just, it's 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 blocking ads in my feed in real time, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Um, cool. So, anything else to talk about? I don't think so. I'm shoot the shit. Oh, Hollywood Horror Nights. I'd really like to go back. I'd like to give it another chance because I know I was kind of disappointed the last time. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I want to see the Stranger Things one. Mm-hmm. And there are some that I think they're going to be like consistent every year things. And I just, I didn't get a chance to see them because the lines were too fucking long. Um, That'll happen. That will happen. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I'd still like to go. I still haven't been. So it's, it, it's fun to go. It sucks waiting in lines. <laughs> I mean, anywhere. Yeah. But, you know, the difference between that though and Disneyland, because, when we went down there last, we did both. We did to Disneyland and Universal Studios. The thing about Disneyland is there's this thing called Ride Max where you can actually plot out, like, say, okay, I want to go on all these rides. And you ride Max. He just gives you a piggyback ride from place to place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, no, it tells you, like, based on uh, trends, it tells you what time of the day to go on which ride. And like a, like an estimate of how long the wait will be, like uh, when to go get uh, fast passes and then and come back to ride it, and just it, it tell, basically plots out your entire day, and it actually gives you time to have free time uh, to just wander around the park. Universal Studios doesn't have anything like that, <laughs> so it's really just like, all right, well, I guess we'll go wait in this line. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, neat, neato. Crypticon coming up soon. Yeah, we uh, we got our panels. I'm going to post a thing on our website with our schedules, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Are you moderating any by yourself? By myself? No. Okay, I am. Yeah, I know. That sucks. <laughs> I was uh, taken aback by that. I mean, we're moderating a, 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 a podcast 
panel together. The workshop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the sorry, workshop. And then also um the who would win in a fight right panel. Which we were part of last year and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But this yeah, this year we're running it. Um I think we should like print out a bracket that we can fill in as we go. Sure. That'd be smart. We've only got like four people on the panel. Yeah, it's a smaller panel this year. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. Anyway, um yeah, so we're monitoring those two together, but then I'm moderating one by myself. And it's just like, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that one's uh, about, uh, it was all- allyship between horror fans. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully you can just get people talking. That's that's when I really shine, is like when I can get people other other people engaged and the conversation just starts rolling yeah and you just bounce back and forth yeah but if i have to keep the conversation moving like if i have to carry it basically by myself that's when i really start to break down because i only have a handful of talking points yeah. <laughs> in, in any given conversation <laughs> anyway okay so we've been bullshitting a long time um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we talk about some horror business we should all right All right. Horror business. You like horror business? Is it your favorite part yep. of the show? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Starting out with some real world horror. Uh, Vatican. <laughs> or, you know, you know the, the Vatican. <laughs> the Vatican. Not just any Vatican. <laughs> uh, the Vatican. Um, in response to an uptick in possessions, they're going to be starting to hold... Exorcist training courses, um, I presume, at the Vatican. <laughs> Did we mention this is real world horror? Yeah. Okay. I said in real world horror. Okay. As I usually do. As I want to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, they're having a training course for priests uh, in exorcism uh, starting next month uh, because, like I said, the claims of possession and the demands for exorcists has spiked <laughs> and you know the vatican is in the business of supply and demand <laughs> right um according to a priest from sicily the number of people in italy claiming to be possessed has tripled to now now listen to this number five hundred thousand a year that is so many that's half a million I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> oh, that you don't believe. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the the idea of possession altogether is silly. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but the fact that they could willingly believe that f- half a million people every year, every year, get possessed. Um, an Irish priest said the demand for exorcism has risen exponentially. So there you go. So just people all over Italy and Ireland just getting possessed. Right. Just straight from the papacy's mouth. Um, I don't even know what to think about this. (laughs) This is so absurd. I mean, I can't, you know, if there was any other business and let's be honest the catholic church is a business um 
but it's a hot take. Eh. Is it? I mean, to Catholics it might be. Oh, yeah, we're going to piss off some Catholics here. Yeah, fuck it. Um, but uh, if, if it was any other business I would or organization, I would say that this was a money-making scheme. But, I mean, are they going to be charging their priests money for taking these classes? No. Do, do they charge the people for the exorcist? Exorcism? I don't. I don't know. It's like, all right, this house is clear. $500,000, please. <laughs> Here's your bill. It's like, uh, I'm a little light. Can we put this off? Is there, is there a payment plan I can <laughs> set up? Why, yes, there is. <laughs> With Glad you asked. 29% interest. <laughs> um. The Vatican course, uh, the training course is going to be held at the Pontifical Athenium, or Athenium, Athenium, yep. I don't know, some word. It's one of those. Pontifical Athenium Regina Apostolorium, Apost- Apo- Apo- fucking Christ, Apostolorum <laughs> in Rome <laughs> between uh, April 16th and 21st. It's going to focus on exorcism and the prayer of liberation, a prayer commonly used for deliverance from possession. Is that the power of Christ compels you? Is that that what that is? uh, Yes. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think that's that's one of the commandments. I don't think that's a a (laughs) prayer at all. (laughs) That's just instructions from God. (laughs) Is it the one about the, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? No, that's the Lord's I'll, Prayer. I'll no faggots from Bainville. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for using that word. That was a quote. I want to say that was that was a quote from Varsity Blues. <laughs> Great movie. I used to watch that movie so much. <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> I don't want your life. Classic. Dawson and his fucking <laughs> classic fucking accent. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I just. I don't. I mean, I think it's going to be held in like, like classrooms. <laughs> Are you going to use like? I think like show the Exorcist for like as a training video. You know, it's like I want to get like a T-shirt made that says "Everything I learned about exorcism I learned from the Exorcist." <laughs> everything. I, everything I learned about everything I know about religion I learned from the Exorcist. <laughs> It'd be even funnier if a priest wore that like under his robes. <laughs> Um. Cool. So, uh, the the fight against evil, or wait, sorry, the fight against the evil one at the origin of the world and is destined to last until the end of the to the end of the world. Uh, Father Cesare or Cesare Truki Truki Truki. Uh, one of the speakers. Yep. Um, Vatican. Uh, he he's telling us to the Vatican news. Um, Pope Francis, who, like, it kind of surprises me that he's backing this. I'm a Pope. (laughs) (laughs) You know, every Pope, regardless of where in the world they come from, they immediately uh, gain an Italian accent when they (laughs) they take over the the Pope-hood. The Papal? Isn't Papal? Is that a word? Uh, I think it's... I don't fucking know. I'm not even going to (laughs) guess. 
Um, but Pope Francis said, uh, if a priest becomes aware of a genuine spiritual disturbance, he must not hesitate to refer to the, the issue to those who in the diocese are charged with this delicate and necessary ministry, namely exorcists. It's, it's my understanding that it's actually very hard to get an exorcism. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I would, there was another quote that I didn't put on here from another father who was basically saying that same thing. So he was like, the, there's less and less priests who believe in exorcisms right? for reasons. Uh, and so there's less exorcists oh, Because there's, there's a better understanding of like psychological conditions. Right. And they don't just chalk up to the devil. Right. <laughs> Science is a wonderful thing. It is. I just wish it could uh, completely bring down religion <laughs> instead of just like using it as, or, you know, letting religion kind of crutch off of it. I wish at least politicians would follow it yeah that'd be nice I, I remember the days when you know the majority of politicians believed in science and things that were you know tangible yeah they didn't <sighs> just you know use religion to hate start brown, wars and hate brown people <laughs> anyway yeah i mean here's my feeling about not only exorcisms but religion in general if if you need it in your life to make you a good person, then fine. Whatever it takes for you to be happy and healthy and be kind to others, that's fine. If if you feel like you have this darkness in your life and the only way to get rid of it is to have a priest come and touch you, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing? <laughs> um, have a priest come and come inside you. <laughs> have a priest enter no <laughs> to be cleansed no you you know what i'm saying right <laughs> to have the holy spirit sprayed upon you <laughs> to have the holy spirit in in inserted into you <laughs> if that helps you then who am i to judge I mean, I take a similar view, um, but I don't believe that anyone is possessed by demons. No, that's absolute rubbish. Uh, I saw this, uh, I mean, this was before memes were really a thing, but by today's standards, it could be considered a meme. It said, uh, religion's like a penis. Oh my God, I wanted to say this too. Okay. Is it religion's like a penis? You can be proud of it. You can do what you want with it. I mean, I, it's I'm, fine I'm, if you have one. Yeah, I'm I'm, par I'm paraphrasing here, but yeah, it's fine if you have one. Just uh, don't sh don't uh, don't whip it out in public. Yeah, don't take it out in public. Don't uh, don't wave it in my face, and don't show it to my children. <laughs> don't shove it down my kid's throat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember the exact phrasing, but I mean, the, the, the message is clear. Uh, keep your fucking religion to yourself. It's Nobody supposed cares. to be a personal thing, anyways. Yeah, and it's not supposed to. Um, drive. I mean, we're getting. <laughs> we, we've transcended past just religion into politics now, but uh, it shouldn't affect the world as a whole, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's why I've, I've long maintained a position that organized churches should be banned. And that's a hot. I know that's a hot take. <laughs> but um, we were we were watching Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Okay. It's about this, uh, for lack of a better word, cult 
that set up shop in uh, Central Oregon. Okay. In the 80s. And me and my girlfriend got on a big conversation about cults. And I was basically like, cults make more sense to me than religion. At least I know who I'm praying to. <laughs> I can go talk to him and he'll talk back. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But I don't think he the should. The shit they do is weird. Like, I'm not cutting off my deck for anybody. Sure. Yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying, but um, to anybody who's unclear, Taylor is not I'm not uh, advocating, advocating for cults. <laughs> um, no, you shouldn't worship anyone. No, you shouldn't worship a person or a deity. If you want to have uh, a sense of spiritual uh, spirituality inside you, to you know, to honor the people next to you. Uh, honor people across the world, honor the the planet that you walk upon, that's fine. But to say that, oh, well, I'm only being a good person, so I don't go to hell, that's absurd. Yeah, that's not really good for anybody. No. It's, it's such a tenuous grasp on what makes you human. Yeah. Well. Sympathy and empathy? Yeah. I mean, that's what separates you between from a sane person and a psychopath. Yeah, and if the only thing hold, only thing hold, holding you to the that that holding you firm to your sanity is religion, then you have deeper problems. Yeah, you're probably possessed by a demon. Right. <laughs> Lucky for you, there's going to be a lot more exorcists. Yeah. You know, I just picture these. Ex- I know we're spending way too much time on this, but these exorcism classes, I picture it. Like the very first episode of The Simpsons, the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. when Homer's training to be a Santa. Yeah. Just a classroom full of Santas. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like this this room full of priests just sitting at like classroom desks, just be like, In nomine patri, e file, e spiritus sancti. <laughs> Sorry, we need young priests on this side, <laughs> old priests on this side. <laughs> All right, so the producer of the new It film, Andy Muschietti's It, uh, has signed on to make a big screen adaptation of another Stephen King book, The Tommyknockers. Don't get excited yet. Yeah, but hold on. <laughs> uh, Larry Sinitsky is... Snitsky? Snitsky, yeah. <laughs> uh, who? Okay, so I don't know who this producer is because I didn't put his name on here. But he is going to be teaming up with Larry Sanitsky, who is the executive producer of the 1993 ABC miniseries for the Tommyknockers, as well as James Wan. Womp, womp, wan, wan. (laughs) You start calling him James Womp. (laughs) That's happening now. There we go. Hashtag James Womp. There's another nickname to add to our cabinet of nicknames. (laughs) Who we got so far? We got Frank Gyllenhaal. FMB. You're right, FMB. Uh, we got more. There's got to be more. Fuck. Oh, well. Uh, Sinitsky says, it's an allegorical tale of addiction, the threat of nuclear power, the danger of mass hysteria, and the absurdity of technical evolution run amok. I never got the threat of nuclear power. Oh. I, got, I got kind of like... Um, 
a very vague, uh, well, not, not so much vague, but um, a hint of religion, like the like the hysteria that comes behind religion. I mean, that's Could what be, I picked yeah. up from it. Uh, he says, all are as relevant today as the day the novel was written. It's also a tale about the eternal power of love and the grace of redemption. What? That's a reach. <laughs> I feel like he's reading into like some undertones that aren't really there. I mean, very, very hint. There are very small hints of it. I mean, so do you know Tommy Knockers? Have you seen the? I've seen the miniseries. You have I haven't read it. the book or anything. Okay, so for those of you not in the know, basically Tommy Knockers is a um, story that this woman finds uh, just through happenstance a alien spaceship that has been buried in her property for however many millennia. And the the bulk of the book, she's, she spends her time digging up the spacecraft. And as she does, she notices, or like, she doesn't actually even notice, but the townspeople start to be uh, taken in by some kind of draw this ship has. Um, doesn't the ship like emit a gas? Yeah. It's not so much like a, a, a visible or tangible thing. That's it's, probably where the nuclear power. I mean, I guess he suggests it came from. Basically, what's happening is these people are starting to turn into aliens. Like their bodies are changing to to become more like these aliens, mm-hmm. um, who are actually when they when they finally get into the ship. You know, they they find these husks of aliens that have been dead for however long. Um, but there's there's just this boundary, like this invisible boundary around this town, um, where everybody just it, it's, it's like this hysteria, like everybody becomes so devoted to um, this ship, and it this is where religion comes in because it the people are obsessed with it. It becomes their all their the reason for being. Um, is to dig this ship up and, you know, what it could mean for them as, as you know, as uh, a, a community. And it's just, it, it, I mean, they get, they get crazy, they get dangerous, uh, murderous. Um, it, it's not one of King's strongest books. Like, like the, the, it's true. He actually was in the middle of a pretty, uh, pretty bad uh, drug and alcohol addiction when he wrote it. Um, and one of the characters, you know, talking about redemption, he is, he's a really bad drunk and he, you know, he's kind of the hero of the story in one sense or another, where he's fighting his addiction in order to keep him, keep his head straight so he can actually battle against this. And the woman that found it is actually, uh, his, his lover, you know, his, can't recall her girlfriend because they're not really a thing, but they fuck. Fuck, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. So it's an interesting book, but I don't know the threat of nuclear power, um, and the the tale about eternal love. I, I don't really get that. Yeah, that feels like a, a reach. It feels like a sales pitch. Yeah. Um, speaking of sales pitches, uh, James Womp and Snitsky <laughs> and their mystery partner um, <laughs> uh, held meetings with studios and digital streamers such as Netflix on the Thursday uh, before Passover before the easter weekend so they're out there hitting the hitting the concrete as they say i pushing rope 
No, that's something else. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you try to have sex while you're drunk. (laughs) Whiskey dick. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like I said, it's not one of his best stories. Um, I would be interested in seeing a big screen adaptation of it if James Womp wasn't involved. Yeah, hopefully he's not directing. I don't know. It seems like he's not directing all that much anymore. It's more producing. Yeah, I don't know what the last thing he directed was. One of the uh, Insidious movies? Or no. I don't think he even directed those. Conjuring? Conjuring 2? Did he direct Conjuring 2? I don't know. I actually don't care. Neither do I. (laughs) They're all shit. They're all bad movies. Yeah, everything he touches is just bad. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Neat. I would, I would rather see this on Netflix so I don't have to see fucking posters and, and trailers. That look like every other James Wan movie? Yep. Just really dark and so, so something Something that looks creepy. Yeah. And then some jump scares. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Stand in the place where you All right, continuing on with stories about Stephen King. No, that's not our way. <laughs> um, so, we, God, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. I mean, it's been a while mm-hmm. since this was first announced, but they're making a, a, a remake of The Stand. And, you know, Josh Boone from The Fault in Our Stars and New Mutants, which has been pushed out to next year. <laughs> yeah, and is getting reshoots with a different director. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, apparently the guy who's directing the new X-Men is doing the reshoots. Interesting. And they took out John Hamm. John Hamm was supposed to be the villain. They're taking him out and replacing him with Benicio Del Toro. I mean, okay. I, I, love, I love John Hamm. I like I like Del Toro. Eh, I like Ham better. Yeah, you like hot ham? <laughs> hot ham water? <laughs> I done stole this catfish! <laughs> did, you, uh, did you ever see him when he was on SNL? Probably. The musical guest was Michael Bublé, and he he was doing this commercial for a restaurant that he started with uh, with Michael Bublé. But he called it Ham and Bubbly, <laughs> and like throughout the commercial, like I think like uh, Michael Bublé is like like kind of like the lounge singer. He's like providing the entertainment in the restaurant, and he's like, "Hey, you know my my last name is actually Bublé." It's <laughs> just like shut up. <laughs> so down in Mike or having boob or having bubbly. That's <laughs> that's pretty funny. He should have gone with Richard Cheese, and then it'll be ham and cheese. But nobody knows Richard Cheese. They should. <laughs> More people should know Richard Cheese. <laughs> um. Anyway, so <laughs> the stand. <laughs> uh. So in nineteen ninety, no, ninety one. Fuck, I don't remember. Early 90s. The original miniseries? Yeah. I think it was 90, but I'm not sure. Um, On uh, ABC, I believe, um, they did a four-part miniseries. of 94. 94, okay. That was my second guess. (laughs) 
pretty sure you said 90 or 91, so this would be your third guess. I said early 90s. It's mid-90s. You're mid-90s. I wish. Then I wouldn't be so old. <laughs> mid-90s were awesome, though. Yeah. I miss the mid-90s. It was like a weird fashion time, but great mo- movies and music. Yeah, the music was dope. And TV. <laughs> TV was good. We had Fresh Prince and Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway, so they were been talking about doing a big screen adaptation with Josh Boone. Then they talked about splitting into two movies because The Stand is a long fucking book and you would ultimately eliminate some important stuff <clears throat> in a single movie. Um, so now they are talking about instead doing a 10 hour miniseries. 10 hours? Yeah. Holy I don't know how they're going to. How are they going to split that up? I mean, do five, five two hour segments? No one's going to watch that. I don't know. Maybe. 10 one hour, maybe? That, that's even longer. Well, I don't know, maybe. But are you really going to expect people to sit through two hours every week? That's a bit crazy. I think 10 one hour would be better. Yeah. Maybe they could just do like a couple of You're basically a doing a season of a show. Yeah, that's true. It'd be like a mid-season replacement or something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, this is being set up. Oh, I see what they're doing here. It's being set up at CBS All Access. Oh, the streaming. Yeah. So I guess I'm not watching this. Yep. Because <laughs> I'm certainly not going to pay CBS to watch their fucking shows. Right, because I'm not 80. Yeah. Well, it's like, that's the thing. People who watch CBS, they don't know how to use it, technology. <laughs> well, so I pay for cable that comes with CBS. I mean, you can get CBS over the air, but K- CBS is a channel that I pay to have access to through my cable. I'm not going to pay them more to watch a show that should be on CBS. Yeah. They can go fuck themselves. It's like AMC offering... Um, a uh, special on-demand channel that comes with no commercials. It's like, you know, extra, extra four ninety nine a month, and you can have uh, uh, AMC All Access with no commercials. It's like, fuck you. See, that, that I can understand that. It's like, okay, it's the same content, just no commercials. But if you, you're willing to pay more for that, that's fine. But at least you can still access the content and just, you know, you just sit through the commercials. Big whoop. But this is content that's not available anywhere else except on this streaming network right. from a company that already has a cable channel. Yeah, and you know they 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 started <laughs> that's doing double dipping. <laughs> they started doing uh, um, the new Star Trek series on all access, mm-hmm. and apparently it did well enough. They have enough people paying to watch it that it got actually picked up for another season. That's one that Sasha is on, right? Yeah, <clears throat> I think she's the captain or like the. Um, uh, Lieutenant Captain? No, that's not the right term. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. Hold on. It's not Assistant Captain. That's not, <laughs> that's a degrading term. Vice Captain. <laughs> Vice Captain. What was man? It was what was Riker? Uh, just Lieutenant, First Mate, Command Commander, Commander, Lieutenant Commander. I think he was just Commander. Okay, Commander Riker. I, I think oh yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All right. So I think she must be commander then. Okay. Um. Anyway, Josh Boone is still attached to direct it. Uh, the pre- previous adaptation was oh six hours. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Be- so this is almost twice as long. Right. Um. 
And it was directed by Mick Garris. You know, a lot of people talk shit about it. I thought it was actually really good. It was one of the better Stephen King adaptations. That one I did not watch. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. It's got fucking Parker Lewis in it. Oh, he can't lose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I bet I couldn't get my wife to watch it because it's got Gary Sinise and she fucking hates him. What? What's wrong with Gary Sinise? I don't He's know. He's Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> she just like hates his face or something. What? I know. That's ridiculous. She, she loved CSI when it was on. Um, and I think to a lesser extent, she watched. She liked CSI Miami. Um, but she would not watch CSI New York because it because has of Gary What the hell? Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. <laughs> I say that whenever my girlfriend's not paying attention to me. I just start waving like this, and I'm like, Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> New legs. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, <laughs> the synopsis of The Stand, for anybody who is living under a giant fucking rock, after a deadly plague kills most of the world's population, the remaining survivors split into two groups. One led by a benevolent elder and the other by a maleficent being. Uh, the, the two to face each other in a final battle between good and evil. It's an intense book. It's a long fucking read, like like it long. Um, but it's, it's a really good book. It's really fucking deep and it really... Wasn't Matthew McConaughey at one point like talked about to be Randall Flagg? Well, he was Randall Flagg in uh, oh, he w- Dark Tower. Okay. Of course, I, I think he's just called the man in black in that, but he, he's Randall Flagg. Okay. Um, but I mean, all if right, they wanted all to, right, all right, all right. I mean, if they were like looking to create like a Stephen King universe, then casting him, which would you know, sense. that's the hip thing to do is to make sure. extended universes. Yeah. And I'm sure Stephen King would be fine with it. It's just like, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like he needs to get like that Jesse James tattoo at this point. <laughs> Um, cool. So I'm not sold on Josh Boone. I'll wait. I mean, New Mutants, like, it looks cool. The trailer looks good. Yeah. But they keep pushing it. So I'm like, what's wrong with it? Yeah. But I mean, if it's good, then I'll give him credit. But until then, he's just the guy who directs fucking teenage girl movies. Yeah. So, uh, our old pal Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, you, you know, our buddy. <laughs> Fr- friend of the Great Blob Podcast. Uh, Pappy McPoyle himself <laughs> uh, is working with, in conjunction with Fox Searchlight on a new horror label. I think it's going to feature new live action feature films to be written, produced, and or directed by del Toro, along with a new soon-to-be-named label. Okay. That's a bad comma. Uh, which will serve as a home for projects oh, no, in, the, right. Right. in the horror, sci-fi, and fantasy genres, including those produced and curated by Del Toro. So this is cool. So, yeah, it's, I mean, so he's going to be he's going to be running this label and also producing his own films under it. Yes. Okay. It's nice that Fox is like acknowledging the horror genre. 
Yeah, it's just stupid that it took him this long. It took Del Toro going out and winning a, an Emmy or a uh, Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, that, that's what that's what pisses me off is that horror hasn't changed. No, I mean, well, I mean, it's it's evolved just like any other genre. Yeah, but it's always been horror. Nothing's changed. It's just now people are watching it because some studio took a chance mm-hmm. and put it in in the public eye. It, I mean, I, I keep going back to it. It was what caused horror to be in the public eye the way it is now. Yeah, probably. Um, and it's just stupid because and I mean, as much as I hate to say it, I think some credit has to go to Blumhouse. Yeah, they're making shitty horror movies, but nonetheless, they're making shit, uh, shitty horror movies available to a large audience. Sure. And it's just like, you know, throwing shit at the wall <laughs> well yeah something's gonna stick right which by the way truth or dare looks really bad oh it looks right? so bad okay and I, I saw something and it was like people can't finish watching the trailer because they're so creeped out and i was like what who, who are, are you, you showing this to are you sure that's the reason i think they're or showing- are they like this is really bad can you turn this off <laughs> <laughs> they, i mean they must be showing it to children like little children who are just creeped out at the sh- their shadows <laughs> yeah, like people are like, oh, the, the the demons look so creepy. And I'm like, they look exactly like the people from the Black Hole Sun video, <laughs> which came out in the 90s. <laughs> See, that video is creepy. That video is awesome. It's awesome. R.I.P. Right. Chris Carnell. Where you at? One, One love. love. <laughs> There's another Pouring one. Out. <laughs> I don't know. These are expensive. <laughs> Chris just- wouldn't want us to do that. <laughs> Del Toro says, for the longest time, I've hoped to find an environment in which I can distribute, nurture, and produce new voices. What are you doing? For the longest time. (laughs) Uh, That was really distracting. (laughs) I've hoped to find an environment in which I can distribute, nurture, and produce new voices in smart, inventive genre films and channel my own. In Fox Searchlight, I found a real home for live-action production, a partnership based on hard work, understanding of each other, and above all, faith. Like you were saying, the studio took a chance. Yeah. After the wonderful experience I had with Fox Searchlight on The Shape of Water, I am honored to have the opportunity to continue the relationship. Yeah, I mean, you know, Fox, to their credit, is really um, taking a lot of chances. Um, I mean, think about Deadpool. Yeah. Making, well, Deadpool and even the Wolverine movies. The R-rated. Making R-rated Super superhero movies. movies and now you know making r-rated horror movies and really like putting them in the public eye weird that that's a taking a risk <laughs> no again you can't that, make an r-rated horror movie that's what pisses me off is that the safe thing to do the th- only thing that's marketable according to so many studios <coughs> paramount um is make well that's not fair. I guess like the paranormal activity movies or even um, Quiet Place were rated R. Quiet Place is PG thirteen. Sorry, you're right. Well, okay, then never mind. I maintain my <laughs> my point. Um, yeah, just th- th- thinking that you know, oh, R rated horror is such a risk. It's like no, it isn't. People will still watch it. What gets me is that R rated horror is such a risk, but. R-rated romantic comedies are fine. Yeah. Like, I don't understand this. Why do we have to make horror movies safe when we're making 
romantic comedies that push the envelope. Well, because romantic comedies are brainless shit. People will go there on date nights, regardless of what it's rated. A lot of horror movies are brainless shit. Doesn't mean they're bad. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. But they don't see it that way. They don't have the built-in audience that romantic comedies have. Like you said, you can take a a, a date to a romantic comedy, and that's, you know, perfectly acceptable. If you take a... You gotta know the girl if you're taking her on a first date to a horror movie. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) It's like, this is me. Accept it. (laughs) Um, All of the films will be financed, marketed, and distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures, beginning with the movie Antlers, directed by Scott Cooper, from a script written by Nick Antosca and Henry Chazon. Uh, based on a short story called The Quiet Boy by Nick Antosca. Why do I know that name? Nick Antosca? Yeah. Um, Channel Zero? Okay. Uh, and others? <laughs> and such. <laughs> um, looks like you. Does kind of look like me. That's weird. I kind of look like Nick Antosca, guys. <laughs> uh, what, what else has he done? He's done other things. Is that a big fat ass? Where? Oh, that is that. Yeah, the obese. The obese. That is a big fat ass. Um, Midnight Picnic. Why do I feel like there was something else that he was attached to that I knew of? Oh, these are books. I don't care about books. I look like a nerd. (laughs) I don't know. Let's keep this rolling. Um, I I feel like he did. He was affiliated with uh, that Max Landis movie. It was that took place in Seattle. Uh, Chronicle. Yeah, I think he wrote that. Maybe. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Um, Antlers is a story about an elementary school teacher who takes on a troubled student that harbors a mysterious family secret with deadly consequences. Antlers. Yep. They all have antlers. Yep. And they they can gore people. It's it's deadly. (laughs) So deadly. (laughs) He just wears hats all the time, so no one knows. (laughs) It's like a big 10-gallon hat. (laughs) I like the fucking moose antlers. <laughs> the guy from Psycho Sticklers. I'm sure. <laughs> he just takes it off and there's more antlers underneath. <laughs> what a clever disguise. <laughs> so yeah, this is cool. I'm I'm glad to see horror getting some recognition finally. Yeah, especially to get like their own label. Like a, a place for horror to exist. Yeah. It's like it's um, not Blumhouse. Right. Yeah, but it's it's like um like dimension through Miramax. Yeah. Um maybe new line to a lesser extent. To a lesser extent, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's it's pretty exciting. I'd like to see them put some good stuff out because I know that Del Toro will demand that of of any product that comes out of that house. I'm sure. I mean Del Toro is he's the monster guy. Yeah. Yeah, and not necessarily horror, so maybe it won't just be... Well, he actually says horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, mm-hmm. which, you know, sci-fi and fantasy are what more what Shape of Water fall under. Definitely. So, Yeah, I can think of f- few people better to be running it than GDT, so... Sure. So, uh, the source of just so many wet dreams, 
Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is getting her own comic. Speaking from personal experience? Or? No, I've actually never had a wet dream. Really? Really. Hey, have you watched the show Love on Netflix? No. No? It's Why do people keep asking me that? What? You're like the third person to ask me that. Really? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just because the new season came out. I don't oh, know. Oh, maybe. Um, but uh, actually, this episode I was just watching the other day, um, it kind of cuts, like the scene cuts in like mid-conversation. And it's just like, and I've never had a wet dream. And she's like, really? And it's like, I was sitting there watching it with my wife. It's like, I've never had a wet dream. Is is that a weird thing? <laughs> but I guess it is. Kind of, yeah. Did you not go through puberty? Or just like, we just woke up one day and you were a man? Or <laughs> I guess. You just like woke up one day and your voice was deeper and you looked at your face and it was all hairy. You're like, well, I guess I'm a man now. My voice change actually happened very quickly. I was old when it happened. I was like 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it's like. All, like, I didn't have a lot of, like, crackling like a lot of guys do. Yeah. It, it was just, like, over the course of, like, <laughs> like, a week, it just dropped. Weird. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I come from a, a lot. just like, oh, I think my balls just dropped. <laughs> oh, there goes the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a line of, of men with deep voices. I mean, listeners of the show have heard my dad. We just got just deep voices. So deep. So deep. Let's I can get it on. I can reach those really low notes. <clears throat> it was easier before I started smoking. Metal. <laughs> my voice, or my my voice, and just my throat in general have not recovered from all the, the years of smoking. <laughs> Even though I've been kind of quit for I don't know over a year. I mean, I was smoking when I was filming, right? Like I wasn't really inhaling. But aside from that, it's been over a year since I quit. Mazel tov. Hey, good for me. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> Elvira. Uh, yeah, so a new comic coming this summer uh, from Dynamite Entertainment. It's going to be a four-issue miniseries from writer David Avalon, uh, who wrote Betty Page and The Twilight Zone. And David, or sorry, and artist Dave Acosta, who did Doc Savage. Um, God. If I had my other friend here, he would know exactly what else this guy's done, but the name sounds so familiar, and I don't know why. Not important. Which one? Dave Acosta? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. The comic book community, like, people are, like, really into it. Like, these artists are, like, like how you and I recognize, like, movie stars. Or, like, core writers and directors and stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Um, his Twitter account is Dave Draws Good. <laughs> uh, Mistress of the Dark has become unstuck in time and crashes Mary Shelley's monster weekend, beginning an epic journey through horror history, stalked by the most terrifying nightmare to ever walk the earth. What's that? I assume Frankenstein's monster. I mean, that would make sense, right? But I. Would you consider Frankenstein's monster to be the most terrifying nightmare to ever walk the earth? Well, no, but they got a sale. <laughs> they got to sell this. <laughs> I'd personally be more like terrified by like Dracula. Sure. If we're talking like historical horror. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you hear Mary Shelley, you, you think Frankenstein. Well, yeah. Um, or the modern Prometheus. Sure. As it's alternatively called. 
say it, some people do alternatively call it that. <laughs> Called it that? Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, this is pretty cool. I've been trying to read more horror comics. Yeah? Yeah. Um, it's funny because my other, like, me and my other friend um, were both into comics, but I am like, probably, I'm most definitely more into horror in general than he is but he he reads way more horror comics than i do i think he reads more comics in general than i do but um it's like uh you know the Pumpkinhead series just came out like a month ago oh yeah um and uh he's like did you check out Pumpkinhead yet I'm like uh no i actually forgot it was even coming out has he read the the fulci comics uh i don't think so no um I think I don't know that he does a well. No, I don't know. He, I don't. I don't know that he does a lot of mail order. Like he, I think he probably goes to the shop uh, and picks it up. But and you know, with with that, you'd actually have to go buy it from Ibon Press. Ibon, yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, issue number one comes out in July, uh, so that should be fun. Yeah, I'm sure it'll have. I, I know that she's like working with the people on it, so I'm sure we'll have her same wit. Yeah, I mean, you know, Elvira is just a a, a classic, and you know, she, there's a certain panache that she has about her personality. Um, and you know, Cassandra Peterson, she's been doing the character for ever over thirty years, so. You know, who would know Elvira better than her, obviously. <laughs> sure. Yeah, because, you know, she is her. Right. <laughs> Neat. So you're looking forward to this? You're going to get this? It's yeah. only four issues. Yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. Check it out. I was at the shop um, last week, week before, and, uh, you know, they got a Hellraiser, Hell, Hellraiser series out that I really want to start reading. Like, just the cover art alone is awesome. It's like, uh, but they come in. Is it? Is Clyde Barker like writing it or? Um, I want to say yes, but I don't know for sure. I could be wrong. I th- like honestly, a lot of comic stuff. I can't even pretend to know a lot about it. Like I know like that much about comics. <laughs> There's just like a whole world of it. Um, but. Yeah, I definitely want to start getting more into horror comics just because I've I've been sticking mainly to like the superhero stuff. Um, I wanted to check out after or was Afterlife with Archie. Yeah, um, but I, I couldn't find it. Like I don't know if the guy doesn't carry it or what, but I, just, yeah. I couldn't find it on the shelf. But anyway, comics. Check out oh free comic book day May fifth, guys. There you go. Uh, first Saturday in May. Cinco de Mayo. See? So a former Grey Plot podcast guest, Tristan Risk, uh, who you would probably best know for American Mary, um, uh, ABCs of Death 2, Madre de Dios. Uh, she is going to be moving behind the camera, making her directorial debut 
with a short film called Parlor Tricks. Uh, this is set in the 1920s. It's a horror comedy that follows a family who summons an unexpected guest during an unusual seance. <laughs> is there anything usual about a seance? <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea what that means. That's very vague. It's <laughs> probably the point. Uh, the film stars several well-known Vancouver performers. Uh, who I'm sorry, but I assume these people are well-known in Vancouver because I don't know who they are. <laughs> uh, Gidget Gravedigger, which is a great name who's from Caravan of Creeps and the Dark Entries podcast, as well as Abracadaver Cabaret. Uh, Emma Eldritch from Abracadaver Cabaret and the Dark Entries podcast and something called Osculum Infame. Uh, Tyler Nichols from Howard Lovecraft and the Undersea Kingdom and 28 Geeks Later. And Sean Coverton from Princess Blasteroid, the basketball game, and Trick or Treat, the, col- the, the colon party. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good party at all. <laughs> trick-or-treat colon the halloween party uh behind the camera she'll be working with cinematographer and editor jordan barnes kraus from extraordinary amy ghost can and the sleep of endymion and producer slash production designer topher graham who is from bad cookie pictures uh, and worked on the man in the rabbit mask and punks versus lizards and madre de dios hey i know that one Um, the film will also feature an original score by Chase Horseman, who did the, the score for uh, El Gigante, as well as uh, Luchigor's new series, La Quinceanera. Right. So a little bit of Luchigor in there. Yeah. A little bit of bad cookie. Well, I mean, it's, you know, as we've learned since we've, you know, known Luchigor, and we've talked to so many people from Vancouver, uh, you know, Lisa and Tristan and... and there's a squad up there, right? Um, it's all—it's all very tight community. Yeah, Jessica Cameron. All right. Well, she's more LA now, but oh, that's true. Uh, she sold out. <laughs> she's she went Hollywood. The, she's one of those LA types now. <laughs> but she probably still say says a boot. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, Tristan. I mean, she also she just did a kids movie. Really? Yeah, it's called, uh, I think it's based on a book called uh, Aliens Ate My Homework. <laughs> she plays like this yellow-skinned alien thing. that She's like that tall. Does she get naked? No, she probably doesn't get naked. But she usually gets naked. <laughs> she usually gets naked, <laughs> but this is a kid's movie. <laughs> think she directs naked? She seems to prefer to be naked. <laughs> I think that Cabaret... Uh, the Abracadaver Cabaret? Yeah. I think that's the one that she performs in. That, probably. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, obviously, but... And I said this is a production with House of Hiss, which I tried to look up. I don't know if that's like her new production company or something. I have no idea what it was. I couldn't find anything of any information on it. Mm-hmm. But I know she's super into snakes, which creeps me out. <laughs> oh, right. You have a thing with snakes. That's why we can't hang out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you can't hang out. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what she can bring as far as like an artistic vision because she has so I, much charisma. I believe she wrote this too. Did she? Because it, well, it said from the, from the twisted mind of Tristan Risk or something like that. So I, that's, that sounded like she wrote it. Mm. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, she has so much charisma and so much energy, uh, just, you know, talking to her. Yeah. Um, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what she can actually bring beyond 
playing a role, mm-hmm. like like what she can do behind the camera. So, um, for sure. I wonder if this is going to be like a like a sh- like a short short like like ten minutes, or if it's going to be like short like like a half hour short. I don't know. I mean, basing it off of what I've seen from both Luchagor and Bad Cookie, I would say probably the the former in the like seven to ten minute range. Mm-hmm. But I I have nothing to back that up. So right, yeah, she, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, she's a very uh, very entertaining person to talk to. Very bubbly. Very uh, definitely has a a distinct energy that's very very much her own. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I'm interested to see what she can what she can do behind the camera, both writing and directing. Well done, you. <laughs> Go um, Tristan. And you can follow this at facebook.com slash parlor tricks movie. Wicked cool, guys. Facebook. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna do it for horror business. Um, and that just leads us into our Second and final segment. <laughs> it's like I always realize that we don't have like good transitions worked out. Until. Yeah, it's just like okay, that's over. Now this. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're we're gonna go do this now. <laughs> it's like I always expect the bumpers to do the work for me, but they just don't. Yeah, there's no like end of horror business bumper, right? We used to. I thought. I think you used to like just like tack on like a quote. Yeah. Like you did the Adams Family one. Right. But that felt really awkward. It did feel awkward. That's why I stopped doing it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this isn't working. (laughs) Anyway. So we're going to do some film reviews. (laughs) Production value, even though nobody listens to the show. (laughs) Also, that transition wasn't any better. It's like we talked it out, and it just still was bad. Oh, it was garbage. <laughs> it was so bad. It was worse than normal. <laughs> I'm going to work on it. I'm going to go with something. Okay, so um, we have two movies to talk about. They're all, they're, they're, I mean, they're both new ones, so. Um, Brand spanking new. Yeah. So you can't watch it on your TV. You have to go to the theater. Actually, you probably can't see one of them anymore. Um, but which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Unsane. Your life slips away from you, you know? Changing your phone number and your email becomes normal. Taking out a restraining order, normal. Relocating to another city, normal. But you still see your stalker everywhere? Rationally, I know this is my imagination, but I'm alone in a strange city and I never feel safe. There's some more forms you need to fill out. It's just routine. I finished my homework. Sawyer Valentini, please follow me. Look, I I don't have a lot of time. I, I should be back at work, so. What am I doing in here? Take off your clothes down to your underwear. I'm not sure what's happening here. The door's locked. It would be better for everyone, especially yourself, if you just do as I ask. 
There's been some kind of mistake. By signing this, you've consented to voluntary commitment. I am being held here against my will. Do you know how many calls the cops get like that every week? Those are from crazy people. Okay, Unsane, uh, so a little bit of backstory here. This was filmed in secret by one Mr. Steven Soderbergh, best known for Ocean's Eleven, uh, Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen, and, and others. others. <laughs> um, uh, he filmed the whole thing on an iPhone 7. He did film it on an iPhone. Yes. Okay, so the whole, whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this looks like an iPhone camera. <laughs> yes, it was. That's the thing, is when I heard about it, I was like, I wonder if it's going to look like it was filmed on an iPhone. And, and it, it does. Um, what I find interesting about that is that if Tony and I were to film a movie on an iPhone and then look for distribution, people would say, no. Well, we also no. didn't direct Aaron Brockovich or Magic Mike. Exactly. <laughs> the only reason that I think this movie is in theaters being filmed on an iPhone is because it's got a name like Steven Soderbergh attached to it. Yeah. That's absolutely why. Um, and you know, like you, you put, you throw that out there and you say, Oh, this was filmed on an iPhone seven. Isn't that amazing? And it's like, he still had access to the absolute top of the line editing. It's like, no, 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 that's not amazing. (laughs) It's a fucking iPhone. (laughs) He could go buy a fucking, he could buy, his own red dragon camera and film it on that. He could probably buy like 12. Yeah. And uh, it would he would have filmed something beautiful. But no, he used an iPhone and everybody's applauding him for it. <laughs> Fuck you, Soderbergh. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it's cool because it kind of gives you that, oh, anybody can make a movie kind of thing. Yeah. But again, yes, we could go make a movie that looks exactly like this. We also couldn't get Claire Foy to start it. Start it. Right. Um, so yeah, Claire Foy plays Sawyer Valentini, uh, who is a... Claire Foy also, she plays Queen Elizabeth on the crown, just in case nobody knows who she is. I didn't know who she was. <laughs> oh, well, she plays Queen Elizabeth on the crown. All right, I don't watch that show. So. She loves it. Whatever. Um, but she just moved from Boston to somewhere else that they never really say where, do they? Um, she says it's 450 miles away. It's um, it's it's Philadelphia somewhere or uh, not Philadelphia, but uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah, I guess they do say Pennsylvania, but yeah. but not specifically what city, right? I mean, you have to assume probably Philadelphia, but 
it doesn't seem like it's a huge city, but you don't see a lot of it. Yeah. You only really see her outside when she's at the park talking to her mom. Right. Um, on an iPhone. For for being filmed on an iPhone, there's also a lot of iPhones in it. <laughs> this whole thing is like kind of like an iPhone commercial. <laughs> yeah, she moved away because she uh, had the stalker that she had to get away from. She had to file a protection order against him. But they hold on to that for a long time. What do you mean? The the fact that she's like hiding from a stalker. Like, I mean, it's hinted at early on, but never really like made clear until got halfway through. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so yeah, you just kind of find out that she moved away and you know, her mom is not really handling it very well. She doesn't like not having her around. Um, and, and she's not really handling it either. She's, you know, has to go to the therapy. And so she goes and she sees this shrink and the, the shrink starts asking her questions about suicide and she's like, well, you know, I, I've thought about it, but never really seriously. It's just kind of something that's come across my mind. Um, she said, you know, how would you do it? And she was like, oh, I had this very specific way. <laughs> she, she kind of plays it off like, you know, oh, you know, it, it's crossed my mind, but it's never something I, I would actually consider. But then she has a very specific way of how she would do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you've thought about this more than you say. Yeah, it's like I think probably a majority of people have gotten so low in their life at some point or another where she's like, you know what? What if this was just the end? But that's pretty much the end of it. They never like say, well, I could do it this way. Right. If you start getting into specifics, you you need to be talking to someone. Yeah. <laughs> but so uh, this psychiatrist says, you know why well, I'd, I'd like to see you again. I think we need to talk more. Just go see the receptionist. She'll have you sign some stuff. Well, I mean, she's not actually... She's very vague about it because, um, Sawyer, Sawyer, thank you. Um, she's the one that says, well, I, I, th- I feel like you're really easy to talk to. I'd really like to talk to you again. That's true. And then, uh, then the shrink says, okay, well, we've got some forms for you to sign and we can talk about next steps from there. Yeah. So she's very vague about the whole thing. <clears throat> That's true. Which kind of leads to what ultimately happens. Yeah. So she, she goes to reception and she signs all these papers and she's like, you know, do I need to look over these in reception? I was like, yeah, if you want, but it's all, it's all boilerplate. It's all very standard. Mm -hmm. And so of course she, you know, signs everything without looking at it. And then they're like, all right, well, please have a seat. And she's like, no, I need, I need to go back to work. I don't have time to just be sitting around. And they're like, just have a seat. It's, this is all very standard. And then this guy, this orderly comes along and is like, come with me. And she's like, no, I need to go. I need to get back to work. I don't have time. And he's like, it's it's all very standard. I promise you. And they go back and he like digs through her purse and then just leaves and leaves her in this room. And then a nurse comes in and has her stripped down to her underwear, gives her like a, a skin evaluation. And it, this whole time, you know, she's saying, what is going on? I just came here to talk to somebody to see a psychiatrist. Why are you doing all these medical tests? And, and they're like, don't worry, it's all very standard. They just keep saying, it's all very standard. It's all, this is all normal. Well, it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. And then so finally they, they give her a robe. And she's like, why do I have to wear a robe? And she's like, well, by signing those papers, you agreed to sign yourself in for a 24-hour period. <laughs> this is why you always read things before you sign them. Oh, I know. Like This kind of thing is the exact reason why I do it. And it's like, when I was, when I was younger, my dad like really hammered into me 
read everything you sign before you sign it. Yeah. Like a lot of people, they'll sign it. It's like, okay, and now I'll read it. It's like, no, no, no. Too late. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like even signing an apartment lease. I'll sit there and read the whole fucking thing. Drives my wife, or it would drive my wife nuts. And I think probably the rental agent too, but just like sit there and read an entire apartment agreement or lease agreement before I'd actually sign it. Yeah. Just I mean, if you can get a lawyer to read it. <laughs> yeah. So she's now signed in for 24 hours and, uh, she starts playing the the nurse and is like, you know, you've been so nice to me. Thank you so much. Can I just please have a phone call? And then she's just like nine one one, and she just gets the smirk, like, yeah, I outsmarted you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, because she's she works for customer service, right? Um, she, she like works at like a call center or something for a bank. Is that what it so, is? Something like that. Yeah, I don't think that's ever g- gone into specifics. So she's but got it's some kind of call center. Yeah. So she's got like a skill for quelling people, calming them down. Good word. Thank you. Um, calming them down and getting them to be agreeable. And so she she thinks that she's manipulating this nurse, but it's a nurse that has no doubt heard this kind of shit millions of times before. Also, did you, when you were watching it and you saw what was happening, did you realize what was happening? I mean, so you went into it knowing generally what the premise of the movie is about. Somewhat, yeah. But did you figure out what was happening like way before she did? Like that she was had, had signed herself in? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's like I can maybe put myself in her position where it's just like the shock is maybe creating a sense of disbelief in her head. But it's like, come on. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't like a hospital. This isn't a um, you know general care facility. This is this is a mental hospital. Yeah, it's a, it, a it's behavior, a psychiatric, yeah, behavioral, behavioral health clinic. Yeah. So her being signed in, kind of you know it because they tell her that the reason that they gave her these papers to sign was because suicide was brought up, mm-hmm. and so they they think that she's a risk to herself and others, and so she needs to be under care. And so when she calls 911, she says, I'm here at this hospital. I'm being held against my will. Come help me. And the nurse is just like, do you know how many of those phone calls they get <laughs> every day? And then the cops come and they're like, yeah, she signed these papers. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> Good enough for me. Yeah, pretty much. And so uh, her <clears throat> roommate, I guess, she's actually in, in a room with like what, seven people. Yeah. But the... the Patient in the bed next to her, played by Juno Temple, is uh, this woman named Violet, who just keeps calling her Andrea. Is that what it is? Oh, God, I don't know. You're right, though. She did keep calling her, like, she even said, like, that's not my name. Yeah, but she kept calling her that. And she's like, how's your baby? How's your baby? (laughs) She's like, I'm not pregnant. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Um. And they, they get into it. They spat a few times. How about it's like two... Well, actually, I think Juno Temple's Australian, not British. But Claire Foy is British. Just just more Australians and British people playing Americans. Juno Temple is... Uh, she's from Hammersmith, London. Okay. Anyway. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's like um, what's uh, what's his face uh, Peckover was saying. 
Yeah. About Australian actors. Uh, British ones too, but. Yeah, he was saying there's something in the water that makes them good actors. Well, you say their training is much different than American actors. Their discipline is better. Well, yeah, but he also said there was something in the water. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then she ends up slapping one of the orderlies because they tried to restrain her for fighting with Violet. And they, so they tell her, well, since you attacked somebody, now you have to be in here for another seven days. Right. She keeps cracking people. That was like the second time she did. Because she hit an orderly too. Or she, I mean, she, she hit an orderly for the first time because she thought he was she, someone else. He, she, remember she opened up, or I guess the orderly opened up the room to the, to the door to the room they were in. And she saw her stalker. Right. Oh, and cracked yeah. him in the face. So backtracking a little bit, she is clearly having some kind of psychological issues stemming from this stalker. Mm-hmm. She meets a guy off, you know, generic movie version of Tinder. <laughs> and she basically tells him, I'll gonna, fuck you. I'm going to fuck you tonight. Yeah. She Just says, don't... "How did it, what did she say? This is this will end how you want it to end or something like that. Mm-hmm. She and, just said, just don't. Don't talk to me. Don't try to contact me. Don't look me at me. After. Don't come near me. <laughs> Did that pop into your head too? Death becomes her? Yeah. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't come near me. <laughs> don't talk to me. Yeah. She just says, you know, at, in the morning, we're done. Yeah. Cutting ties. I don't want to ever see your dumb face again. <laughs> he's like, sold. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but then they get to her place and they start fooling around and she freaks out and all of a sudden thinks he's her stalker. But you don't know that at first. No, at at the time you don't know that. She just like freaks out, runs face first into the wall. Yeah. And when it happened, I thought what I thought is that she was like playing him. She was acting out some kind of rape fantasy or she she was getting getting off like she was going to go in the bathroom and like call the cops on this guy because she has some kind of like sick fetish to imagine these guys she brings home are trying to like attack her. Mm. But then I mean, in the next scene, she wakes up in the morning and she pulls up her computer and looks support groups for stalking victims. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. But yeah, actually, even still, you don't, you still don't quite get it. Because in the scene, it's just they're, they're making out and all of a sudden she just goes, holy fuck. And like turns around, like I said, runs face first into the wall mm-hmm. and then just runs into the bathroom and the guy's like, what? <laughs> and then he just leaves. Yeah. He's just like. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm not going to go jerk off. <laughs> um, so yeah, jumping back to her in the hospital. And so now she's in here for another seven days. And she meets this guy, uh, Nate, played by Jay Farrow of SNL. Weird casting. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. He, he did well. He's but. like, he, I when I heard he was going to be in it, I just kind of assumed he was the comic relief. <laughs> but he's not. In a sense, he is, but he is, but not in like a goofy way. Yeah, he 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 provides levity. He yeah, he cracks wise. But, yeah, but you're kind of confused by the whole thing because he's a patient, but he seems to know everything that's going on. Yeah, and he's very level headed, and uh, he basically tells her, you know, that this, this whole thing is an insurance scam, and they they keep you in here until your insurance stops paying, and then they put you back out on the street. Yes. Oh, suddenly, yo, oh, you're cured. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so they kind of strike up a friendship. He never gets his blowjob, though. No. 
poor guy. <laughs> like how she's like, rain check on the blowjob. And he's like, tired of hearing that. <laughs> it's like, what a thing to hear, too. It's like, let me use your phone and I'll suck your dick. Yeah. Uh, uh, is this a trick? <laughs> and then one of the orderlies is her stalker, uh, David Strine, although he's going by Gary Shaw now. But the whole time you're kind of like, is she, you know, is this all in her head again? Yeah. Or is this actually going on? And that's kind of just the reoccurring theme of the movie is you don't know what's real and what's in her head. Right. And you, you also kind of wonder, like, is Nate crazy? Like, is this whole thing just a, a story that's made up in his head? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of back and forth of who's crazy, what's real. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to get into too much spoiler territory. So I think that's where I'll, where I'll wrap it up. Oh, and David's played by Josh Leonard. I don't know who that is. Um, um, Blair Witch Project. Oh. oh. Yeah. He's kind of, I mean, he's older, obviously, and he's got like a big, full beard. And a big, bushy beard. <laughs> a great, big, bushy beard. Um, yeah. So that's him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think? Um, I actually liked it. Um, I mean, it wasn't over, over the moon about it, but... Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, well crafted in that even even though you had all the details, like you knew that she, yeah, she got tricked into being into you know being committed, um, uh, and you know maybe she's being held there because of an insurance scam. You don't really know, um, and also maybe this guy is her stalker. Maybe he isn't. Um, it it really kept you guessing. Yeah. Because like this isn't your your typical horror movie. Like mm-hmm. it's not a monster movie, it's not a gory movie, but it's it's horror of the mind. Yeah. You know, it's it's a psychological thriller more or less. It did a good job uh like right off the bat <clears throat> giving you doubt in what she sees. Yeah. I mean, with the guy that she brings home, when she hits that other orderly because she thinks he's David. Um, and, uh, you know, just her, uh, her instability in general, like, you know, anger management problems. You just, she just hits people like out of nowhere. <laughs> um, it's just that kind of thing where it's just like, okay, well, you know, she seems pretty convinced, but am I convinced? <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about it being shot on a cell phone. It's a pretty cheap ploy for somebody of Soderbergh's stature to be doing. But I think it worked really well because it kind of led to the chaos. It did. Or added to it. It, it made you feel very confined. Um, a lot of, like, really close shots. Yeah. It, it gave you the feeling, like, the shots that were they were being used for, for me it gave a sense of like okay well this is all being shot from like hidden cameras kind of yeah um and you know once you kind of get into more of the movie and you realize that there's there, there's an element of stalking involved it really kind of gives you the sense of being stalked like or like maybe you are the stalker watching this all happen yeah i could see that just cuz it's it the, the you know it being such close, so closely shot, um, it kind of, like I said, it gives you kind of a, a confined 
feeling. And, um, you know, whereas, you know, you don't have, you don't have like a lot of wide shots. Um, because I found myself wondering if like that was an actual directorial decision or if that was just a restriction from using an iPhone as your primary camera. It's hard to say, but I mean, it's like we said, he, he had the option. He definitely had the option to not use a cell phone. Yeah. So he clearly liked something about the way the, the phone looked. Yeah. And I, I really think that had a lot to do with the stocking aspect. You know, he, I mean, <laughs> not saying either of us have, but stalkers, you know, just take snapshots of people from, from the bushes or wherever, you know, from across a room unnoticed. It's just, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of what this whole movie had the feel of, just like creepy stalker pictures being taken. Yeah. And uh, that was very effective. And it, like you said, it also added to the the craziness. It just, it made you feel like a little on edge. And or, like the, for the, me anyway. the way that the colors came across, they were very kind of muted and, you know, in a, I don't want to say mental institution because that's not really what it is. But like you said, behavioral center, whatever you want to call it. That's the way things are. They're not bright. They're not. It's not like a hospital where everything's white and clean. Yeah. You know, you, you get kind of the cream colors and the the muted blues and yeah, and you know everything is very straightforward. There wasn't special lighting set up. It was all fluorescent lighting. Yeah. Overhead, so like almost everything that was shot inside was under this yellow fluorescent lighting. So everything just looked like mustard yellow at all times. Yeah. And that's just. I don't know. That that gives you a certain feeling too, I think. Yeah, like realism, I guess. Uh it, I mean sure, but I'm I'm talking more uh just an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Like, you know, nobody likes being under fluorescent lights. You know, I'm sure you I, I work under them every day, I'm sure you do too. Yep. Um but I don't know, something about that just that deep yellow tone that Maybe it's just on camera. I mean, anybody that's used a cell phone camera knows that if you don't have like really bright light, everything just kind of looks yellow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it really had that look and feel to it. It just, it, I don't know, it, it made me feel uncomfortable. I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I remember, I don't remember if it was during our drunken cinema or if it was off mic, but we talked about American Psycho. And we kind of talked about how we wish it had done more to really make you question Patrick's sanity and what was real and what was in his mind. Mm -hmm. I feel like this did a better job. Yeah. Not saying this is a better movie than American Psycho. (laughs) No, no, no. But I feel like this, at least in that one aspect, did a better job of really making you question what is she actually seeing? What is she actually experiencing? And what is all in her mind? Right. Yeah. And, And all the way up to the end, too. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, there are even points where you think you know what's going on. But there's just like towards the very end, there are parts where it's just like it makes you doubt it all over again. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not not a violent movie by any means, mm-hmm. um, not a gory movie. But again, just a it's a, a more of a psychological thriller, but it's it's a dark movie. And I don't mean like color wise, but like the the. Um, 
the uh, tone is, sure. is very dark. Yeah. And very, um, you know, he, you kind of find yourself questioning if um, Sawyer is the antagonist or the protagonist. Yeah, because she's not a likable person. Not particularly. She's a real bitch. <laughs> she kind of is, yeah. Um, you know, like I said, her and Violet, they go at it and at times. You know, yeah, Violet's a she's a huge bitch too. Yeah, but it's like she's legit insane. Oh yeah, but at times Sawyer will just kind of like go after her for no reason too. Yeah, and then she also smacked that one guy, uh, Jason. I think his name was. Oh, like when I grabbed her tit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would too. Fuck him. But then, like the next day at breakfast, he's just like, "Hi, I'm Jason." <laughs> like it never happened. He's just like. He just walks up to her and grabs her fucking boob. Like, like that's just something you do. That's how you <laughs> greet people. It's like, oh, this is how we greet people in my country. <laughs> <laughs> it's very European. <laughs> Even though he sounds like he's from fucking Jersey or something. <laughs> uh, so the title, Unsane. Not a fan. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's grammatically incorrect for starters. Right. But, I mean, it, it means the same as insane, so just call it insane. Well, I mean, unsane is going to be more recognizable. I guess. Because it's not a word. I mean, I mean, maybe they did it to be more ambiguous. Maybe. Because, you know, it's like un meaning not. Not. Sane. So insane is, is the word. But unsane is... Maybe like uninsane, which would be sane. Now you're just making my head hurt. <laughs> well, it's like, what were they trying to get at? I mean, sure, that's something you can market. You can you can market. That's unsane, that's what it is. I guess because if you just call it insane, there's probably forty movies already called insane. Sure. I don't know. It was just a dumb title. I don't like it. Call it crazy? Question <laughs> mark. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, but no, I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it does. There's a couple parts where you like really are like, well, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get into specifics because I don't want to give too much away. But there's definitely parts where Sawyer will do something, and it's just like that's not rational. <laughs> and it's like you could. You could prove your point immediately and you're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just saying, hey, this guy is my stalker. Let me show you some things or let me have somebody bring something to you so you can sh I can show you the court documents, the restraining order that I have filed against him. Yeah. Like her mom comes and visits her. Yeah. But for whatever reason, she doesn't have her mom bring court documents or any yeah. kind of proof but yeah so she just she's yeah instead she just resorts to punching people in the face <laughs> it's like that's not how you make things happen but again that's it's like a bar fight that's a big part of the like questioning whether or not she's sane because if she did these things that proved everything she was saying is right then you'd be like oh well i guess she's sane right i mean her her demeanor may de definitely made her seem unhinged so yeah, you're you're left questioning her 
her legit sanity through the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't know what the budget was, but it it feels like a low budget movie. Mm-hmm. But again, filmed on an iPhone. It couldn't have been that much, and I imagine most of it probably went to paychecks. Probably, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it, it does have that shot on iPhone feel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a professionally shot movie, even though, like I said, I'm sure he had access to the best editing software that money can buy <laughs> and probably the best editor that money can buy. But it's still a well-made movie by all accounts. Um, definitely is a a mind fuck of a movie. That's, they could have called it mind fuck. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have <laughs> sold well. <laughs> I'm sure a studio definitely would have bought it. <laughs> and Chris Angel probably would have been like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm thinking seven. That's what I'm thinking too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're just going to jump all over my stuff there? <laughs> Ride my coattails all the way? Oh, get a 7.5. <laughs> Pull a tailor and give a 7.5. You want to give it a 7.5? No. I'll let seven. you give it a 7.5. No, I don't do 0.5s. Because I'm not a fucking waffle iron over there. <laughs> waffle irons make very uh, precise waffles. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, th- I thank, thank you for your compliment. Was it a compliment, you <laughs> asshole? <laughs> Frankie the Waffle Iron. <laughs> All right. So moving on to our second movie. Yeah, uh, that's a, it's a movie just came out again. Um, well, so this is Saturday. It came out this week, two days ago. Um, it is a movie directed by John Krasinski. And it is called A Quiet Place. <laughs> We're going to do this whole review in American Sign Language. 
So, so, so listen up. <laughs> okay. So, A Quiet Place, like I said, is directed by Jim Halpert. Fuck Halpert. <laughs> um, starring Jim Halpert and Mary Poppins. That's the new Mary Poppins, not the old one. It's Emily Blunt. There <laughs> Apparently, she, like, like yeah, I think he originally didn't plan to act in it. He was just going to direct it. But I think she, like, talked him into it and said, hey, I want to be in this, too. So he's like, oh, <laughs> okay. He also did the rewrites on it. Right. Yeah. So this was originally written by Scott Beck and someone else. Some, you know, someone else. You've heard of him. Uh, Brian Woods. Um, they wrote the story, which originally only had a single. Be quiet. Only had a single line of dialogue. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, this one ultimately ended up having more. And I had that. Imagine that had something to do with Krasinski wanting some actual dialogue. <laughs> wanting to flex his acting muscles. Yeah. But honestly, I think acting in silence is more um, challenging than having dialogue. I would think so. Because, um, you know. You have to convey everything through facial expressions and you know they do do sign language and do do that's doo doo in sign language isn't isn't that is it that i thought it was down i don't know it doesn't matter we don't do sign language should have had max on here <laughs> uh i'm impressed that they i mean so the girl that plays their daughter she is actually deaf she's been deaf since she, she was a child right um but the entire rest of the cast did I mean I I doubt they learned the entire <laughs> American Sign Language lexicon, but you know they obviously they learned the dialogue at least. Yeah, um, so that's very impressive. Um, I'd say almost more challenging than learning like another verbal language. Yeah, probably, especially like a Latin-based one. You know, there's a lot of words that are similar, mm -hmm. easy to carry once you learn like the basis of it. But sign language, it's just like, it, it's all hand gestures. So it's like, how do you commit a lot of that to memory? Yeah. In what I assume was a short amount of time. Right. Um, anyway, so this movie takes place uh, in the year 2020. So, well, the majority of it takes place in 2021. Because the opening scene is 2020. And that's then it, true. it jumps to a year forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Almost a year and a half, I guess. I don't. Remember what the first time jump was? I know it was day eighty nine, and then it the jumped to like it's for something. Yeah, for I don't remember thirty or four. Something. I was trying to think because I, I first I thought it was exactly a year later, mm -hmm. but then it, it jumped again, and it was still less than three hundred sixty five days. I think so. It wasn't a full year. I remember jumping from from eighty nine to over four hundred. It was over four hundred, but I mean, oh, well, I think, I'm yeah, saying three hundred sixty five days later. Sure. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, so like Taylor said, this, the, the first scene past the opening credits, um, is a title screen or a card screen. So it's day 89. It's like going into it. We don't know exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, it opens up on this just desolate town. It looks like it's been abandoned for more than 89 days. It looks like the opening scene to Day of the Dead. Yeah. It looks very similar. I mean, like the only thing really missing from this scene was like a tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> pulling across the street. 
but um, it's just a, a typical small town, you know, down like Main Street area. Um, like a little, you know, mom and pop pharmacy, hardware store, that type of stuff. Just completely abandoned. Um, the town looks like it's been like raided, um, and um, just uh, you know, like old newspapers floating around talking about like the end of the world, that type of shit. Um, so we go into the pharmacy where there are at first glance, all you're seeing is a black figure skittering around the frame, like just, you know, going between aisles in the store. Then you come to see that it's actually a child. And then we see that there's actually an entire family in this store. Um, with their, apparently they have names. They're never actually said in the name in the movie. Yeah, when we left the, the film, I was asking my girlfriend, I was like, do they have character names? And I like had to look it up on IMDb because I kind of just expected it to be like John Krasinski as dad, Emily Blunt as mom. Right. But yeah, they, they do have character names. They're the Abbots, the apparently. Abbots, yeah. Um, and not just the Abbots. They all actually have names. Um, and I like I thought maybe at one point I heard her call him Sal. Called the dad? Yeah. I, I don't know what she actually said, but his name's not Sal. It's uh, Lee. Lee. It's like, where did they get these names? Yeah, he's Lee. She's Evelyn. The daughter is Reagan, and the son is Marcus. Right. And the, the youngest is Bo. Right. So they're in this drugstore, and uh, Marcus is ill. We don't know what's wrong with him. He yeah. Just, he just looks under the weather. Um, and... Got Emily Blunt playing. Uh, what's her name again? Evelyn. Evelyn. She's um, looking around in these um, pill cabinets for something to fix what ails him. And um, you know, you kind of get the impression of what these people were before things with the shit. Like you get the impression that maybe she was like a nurse. Um, I didn't get that impression, but I, now that you say it, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, at the same time, I got the impression that maybe he was like an electrician or an engineer or something. Yeah, that I got, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the rest of them were just children, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so there's she's looking for medication for him, and um, you know, there's even at this point, you don't really catch on that the entire world is. Like the, the the name of the game is be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's not it's not really emphasis put on that, but um Bo, the youngest son, he's climbing up on a shelf and trying to reach this um rocket ship toy, and as he's reaching for it, he knocks it off the ca- uh shelf, and that's when Reagan comes running up and she does fucking um knee slide into it and catches it just right in the nick of time. Um, and that's when Lee comes in and basically he signs to him. He says, you have, you need to be quiet. I mean, you know what I've told you. This is, it's, it's important that you stay quiet. And he's like, I'm sorry, we can't take this toy with us. It's just, it's too loud. Sorry, son. You're just too loud. <laughs> so he takes the batteries out of it. Puts it on the, you know, puts it on a box or whatever, puts the batteries down. Reagan picks up the toy and gives it back to Bo. Just kind of pats him on the head and walks off. 
after everyone else has walked out of the store, Bo picks the batteries back up. And immediately you're like, oh, no. Yeah, it's like, it's not going to go well. <laughs> I leaned over my wife. I'm like, oh, little shit. <laughs> but he gets what's coming to him. <laughs> okay, uh, so don't careful with what you give away here. It's the first 10 minutes of the movie. But still. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't care. Fuck it. Um, so you see them walking. and They're all barefoot, which is something you kind of identify really early on. Um, and, and they walk on these trails of sand. Yeah. Just these chairs of white sand that they've laid everywhere. Just er- everywhere that you could possibly want to, that they could possibly want to walk. There's a path of white sand that's been poured down. So they're walking uh, back home, presumably, um, and they're tra- passing over this uh, this trellis bridge, um, and uh, that's when they're just they're walking along, and it, it's kind of focused on Lee's face, and all of a sudden you start hearing these like, um, with uh, like electronic sounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <And> no. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> um, so yeah, Lee's eyes get huge, and it goes back to Bo, who has put the batteries back into the rocket ship and switched it on, and now he's flying it around without a care in the world, and everyone else is just in a panic. And it, it, it's interesting because Reagan is deaf. Did you pick up on that right away that she was deaf? Yeah. Um, like I, she had the hearing aid, so I realized she was obviously hard of hearing, but it she, didn't dawn on me that she was completely deaf. Yeah, she had a cochlear implant, um, and I just assumed because of that that she could at least hear something. Right. Um, so I guess it wasn't immediately obvious to me. They did a really cool thing, though, where every time someone they're showing, you know, if they show Lee or they show Marcus or Bo, there's, you know, just kind of that ambient noise. Yeah. But when they would show Reagan, it's dead silent. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was interesting to see things from her perspective because, like you said, there's, you know, when when Bo switches this toy on, it starts making noise. You can see the panic and dread in everyone else's eyes and, like, this dramatic music. And Lee just drops what he's doing and bolts towards Bo. And Reagan takes her a second to realize it because she doesn't hear the noise. All she, she can hear or all she can see is the faces of her family members. And like you said, it's completely silent. No dramatic music, no noises, nothing. No footsteps or. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a much, um, much different sensation given to you when you're, when you're seeing things from her perspective. Anyway, so Lee is running. At a full sprint uh, towards Bo, and Bo is just acting like he doesn't have a care in the world. And it's like, I don't get it. It's like, it's been three months. Like, he has to know, right? I mean, like, he's little kids are shits. He's a child, but he still has to know, right? Yeah. You, you would think. They had to have explained to him what's going on to some degree. I mean, he seemed to accept it to, a, to an extent. Yeah. And that he didn't he, throw a tantrum or anything. Yeah, I mean, he was. He's, and he's very good about not talking. Exactly. He. I mean, he was. He was signing like everyone else, and I think that kind of puts him at an advantage over everyone else. That because 
Like I said, this town is deserted. Everyone else must be dead. They are survived. And I think it's because they know sign language. <laughs> I think that's a huge part of it yeah. because they have a deaf daughter. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something you see pretty often is somebody, when you have a family member that's deaf, the entire family knows sign language. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, so, again, like I said, Lee is just running at a full tilt towards Bo, um, and he looks off to the side and sees something running uh, basically alongside him in the woods. And just as he is 10 feet away from Bo, this thing comes out of nowhere or, you know, com- comes into view, snatches Bo and disappears just as quickly. Yeah, and it's it's like that. It's, yeah. It happens so fast. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's all, like it happened. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's kind of like this unwritten rule in horror where you don't kill the kid. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, nah, we're doing it like right away. Yeah. It's like we're going to make a point right now that nobody is fucking safe. And I, th- I think that's important to do. Yeah, sometimes it is. Like if you want to create a real sensation of dread, you have to kill a kid. Yeah. Because then you know that nobody is fucking safe. Anybody can die. Yeah, it, it leads, it gives you this... Uh, this notion that what whatever the killer is, whether it be a, a person or a monster or, or alien or whatever it is, it is non-discriminatory. Yeah. That's like <clears throat> what can prevent you from like like Friday the 13th too. You know, you want you want to believe Jason is just this unstoppable killing machine, which he is. But in Friday the 13th too, there is a dog that runs up and this is before he's revealed as a killer, runs up, sniffs at his feet, and then it jumps to the next scene. And then later on, there's like a like a corpse of a of some kind of animal found, and you think it's the dog, but you actually find at the end that the dog's alive. So that means Jason does not kill animals. Yeah. So that kind of takes the piss out of him a little bit. Um, anyway, so from there, we jump ahead to... Around a year later, give or take a few months. It's at a farmhouse. Uh, it's just surrounded by acres and acres of corn. And it never really tells you where this is. Just left, But it was filmed in New York. Um, but it never really says where this takes place. And I wouldn't think New York would be a, a, a place for corn, but... Upstate. Well, sh- sure, sure. I mean, I'm not saying they can't grow corn. I just, when I think where they grow corn, I think of like Iowa. Nebraska. Or Nebraska, yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, so yeah, they, they're just in this farmhouse, and it's kind of used as a time to show you like how they live. Um, you know, they've got a bunch of systems set up for, for keeping quiet, to use, you know, for communication and um, observation. Uh, now this is something that my girlfriend pointed out that I didn't notice, but you know, when he goes up on top of the silo and mm-hmm. starts the fire, she said that it looked out and there were other silos with fires on them. Yeah. So are there, are there other people? That's what I thought. But I mean, the, aside from the, the, the one other person that's in this movie that's in it for two seconds, there's no other people. So, I mean, but the thing is, if. If you were in this kind of situation where you know 
that like quiet is the one thing that you need all the time and any kind of sound is just the absolute worst. Would you want more people in your life? Probably not. Right. You would want to isolate yourself. Yeah. That's kind of what we were saying is that, you know, yeah, these are the other people, but everyone just wants to be isolated and they don't want interaction with other people. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, later on in the movie. And this is in, this is in the trailer. So I'm not going to consider it a spoiler later on the movie. Lee and Marcus are walking through the woods and they happen along an old man who's, uh, you know, they, they see him just standing there in the woods by himself and then you look down on the ground and his wife, presumably, is just cut in half. Like, just like have her, has her entire midsection just destroyed and, and devoured. And Lee just puts his finger up to his mouth, telling the guy to just stay quiet, stay calm. And the guy, it's almost like he has a real, you could see like a realization come in his, come in his eyes. Where he's just like, you know what, fuck this. I'm done. And he just winds up. And like, like as he likes taking this deep breath, Lee just picks Marcus up and just runs. And the guy, the old man starts screaming. And that's when these creatures come Such out. Such a dick move. <laughs> I know. Like, if you want to commit suicide by monster, whatever. Yeah. Don't involve me. Yeah. It's like, I would have, if I was in that position, I would have been like, just like, yeah, mouth to him, like, run, go, yeah. go now. Because um, it's not like he's screaming because he's reacting to what happened. He's mm-hmm. screaming because he wants to die. He wants these things to come get him. Yeah, because he, he stops screaming and then he just closes his eyes and waits. Yeah. It's like I said, if you want to have suicide by monster, you you do whatever you need to do, man. Right. But let me get, especially my kid. Mm-hmm. Let us get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so yeah, it just it's it's a snapshot in the in the life of a basically a post apocalyptic family, um, and you know they've they've carved out a way of life for themselves that seems to be functional in in one sense of the word or another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you see that it's really just hard to maintain that silence in every aspect. Because the one time, or at one point, uh, Marcus and Reagan are playing Monopoly using soft things instead yeah, of like crocheted pieces. Yeah, like like a like a feather and a and a um a pom like a little fuzzy pom pom um, as the as the game pieces and as like the hotels and houses. Yeah, their little palms, and they're making sure to roll the dice on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't I don't know what cause it exactly i don't i mean for some reason marcus reaches out and slaps over a lantern what it was was he landed on one of her pieces one of her properties and she reached to take his money and he was like oh okay i didn't catch that yeah he was stopping her from grabbing his money got it so he but in doing that he knocks over a lantern the glass shatters which i if you're in a state like this why would you use anything glass also i I would think everything would be carpeted (laughs) Yeah, I'd put fucking carpet on the walls. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, lost my train of thought. Knocked over the lantern. Like, yeah, knocked over the lantern. So the shattering glass and the ignition of the carpet, you know, you know, creates that. Woof. 
Um, and Lee runs over instantly and puts it out. But now they're sitting in silence, waiting for one of these creatures to come. And if I remember right, it never actually does. No. But that's beside the point. Uh, do I want to talk about what these things look like? Yes. Yeah? Okay. I so, do. So You the, don't get a good look at them to, until towards the end. Right. Um, you get like little glimpses of them or like pieces of them. Yeah. You never get like a full body until like the very end. But when you start putting the pieces together, like imagine like Venom, like Spider-Man Venom, where he, yeah, he, I, I came up with three things and that's one of them. Venom, um, the liquors from Resident Evil. Okay. That wasn't one of them. Um, and like a spider kind of like a, okay, here's what I came up. Well, actually, I came up with, with four things that it looks like. Uh, imagine Venom with Audrey 2's teeth. Sure. The, the body of the guy from Wreck-It Ralph at the end when he transforms. Fuck, I don't... The turbo. Um, I don't remember. And then their face kind of opens like a Demogorgon, mm-hmm. but less symmetrical. It's, it's more kind like of... Panels. Jag- yeah, it's like panels that kind of open up. Yeah, um... I'm trying to think of like an animal that is that's kind of similar. It's almost like they're yeah. almost look like like roof shingles or something. Yeah, it just and they just they, kind of move. They open, to open up like like petals on a flower, almost kind of. Um, and it's almost like they open them up to sense things. Yeah, they have no eyes. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. They're, they're completely blind, um, but have. Obviously, an, an unreal um, sense of, 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 of uh, hearing. And they actually have like something they focus in on a couple times in the movie is when these panels open, they actually have like an ear almost similar to a human's. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of grooves and like a, obviously an ear canal, but just an impeccable sense of sound. Um. To where they can pick up on just minute noises from God knows how far away. And, you know, Lee has this workshop where he is basically trying to come up with a plan of attack. A plan of survival and a plan of attack. And he's got this whiteboard just written with, like, basically the things they know. These things are blind. They operate off of sound. Um, They have armored skin. And... um, he said, or like it says, um, number in the area. Three. Confirmed three, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it's written in a box. Like he, like he drew a box with the number. So it's like clearly he's prepared to add or to add or, add or remove more as, as it uh, requires. Be, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, It's like you, th- these creatures. I mean, they're, they're always an underlying threat. You always know in the back of your mind they're there. It's, it seems like most of the movie, the, mo- the more terrifying thing is the fact that they're trying to stay quiet and just the challenges that come with that. Yeah, um, like if you want tension, silence is the number one thing that will create tension. Mm-hmm. And this movie is mostly silence. Yeah. Did you see this? 
Did you see this at that theater you were talking about? Yes. Okay. So I saw it at the theater by me, which is a big multiplex with, you know, I don't know, 100, 150 seats in it. Um, and uh, I'd say like the last half dozen movies I've seen, there's been some fucking dickhead, usually in the same row as me, that won't stop talking through the entire fucking movie. This one, because almost the, like it's like ninety nine percent of the movie, there was no talking whatsoever. Everybody was silent. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like in a theater, I feel like this is one of those movies you have to see in a theater. Well, not not mm. have to, but it definitely adds to the experience, right? Because you have all these people who are just trying to be so quiet mm-hmm. because the movie is so quiet and everything they do is audible to the entire theater. It kind of every time it. someone moves in their seat or you know, opens a bag of chips or a piece of candy or something. Everybody hears all of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's this guy next to me trying to open up a bag of tortilla chips for his nachos. I'm just like kind of side eye him. <laughs> At one point I started getting a tickle in my nose and I was like, no, no, not now, not now, not like this. <laughs> and then of course, you know, it's completely silent. All I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Lynn's like, shh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, you know, I we had a thing of popcorn and a, you were sharing a drink. And um, like every time I picked up the drink, you know, the ice would rattle. Mm-hmm. Or it's like every time I dig in the popcorn, it's like, <laughs> and even when I chew it, it's like, it's like, I don't know how, like, I can hear it as clear as a bell in my head, mm-hmm. but I don't know how well everybody else can hear it. <laughs> so but I'm at like, that moment, you feel like everyone is exactly like, that asshole. It was just interesting to me, an interesting perspective into the human psyche, where it's like when when action and talking is going on in a movie, that's when people feel like it's okay to start talking. But when it's completely silent, then everybody else is completely silent. Yeah. Stupid. (laughs) Fucking hate people. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, the the, the creatures are the ultimate threat, Mm -hmm. obviously, but just noise in general is as equally a threat now granted the noise is a threat because of the creatures right but it's almost like the abbots are uh, as terrified of noise as they are these creatures yeah like noise itself and like you know there are it's um, a cause and effect thing but regardless like yeah Uh, i mean there's a multitude of challenges that come with it namely uh evelyn is pregnant okay yeah i was i was gonna bring this up surprised we hadn't yet but yeah evelyn's pregnant and pretty far along from the looks of it yeah um and you know you instantly think oh well how are they gonna stop that kid from crying (laughs) um and it's just like wow this is wildly irresponsible of them (laughs) yeah that's what i was thought too also that must have been the most boring sex in the world right (laughs) it's like i mean i'm not i don't make a lot of noise during sex and neither does my wife which is fine with me like i don't need because you're both really bad at it yeah we're just terrible (laughs) in bed so that's why we work together you know we don't know any better (laughs) but no it's like i don't need like Like this janet like this janet (laughs) am i doing it right (laughs) it's like "Eh, eh, eh, eh." i'm gonna come yeah Uh, oh yeah uh, (laughs) That's my big boy. 
<laughs> God. You ain't gonna shit right for a week. <laughs> um, you aren't going to SHIT right for a month. <laughs> John Ritter, one love. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I mean, I, as far as for the plot, I mean, there's not. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that happens, but it's all kind of just moving along, and you you know you don't want to give away a lot. Yeah, I want to give you like the the, the baseline of the film. I don't want to start getting into like finer plot details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess maybe we just leave it there. Sure. Uh, what'd you think? I thought it was great. Yeah. Like I said, if if you want tension, silence is the perfect way to build tension. And this, like I said, this movie is. The vast majority of it is completely silent, so it's like every noise is almost like a jump scare. Mm-hmm. Um, and also something that Krasinski does that I really, really like, it's the same thing that we talked about um, in uh, Don't Breathe that Fide Alvarez does, where he pretty much shows you something and is like, keep this in mind, because this is going to come into play. <laughs> it's like, I assume the part you're talking about, it's like I lean over to my wife, I'm like, that's foreshadowing. Well, there's a couple. Like when the kid grabs the batteries, you immediately know what's going to happen. Yeah. And so you're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and that, that, I didn't know the net result. but <laughs> Right. But you, like I said, you know what's going to happen. You know what, where it's going. Mm-hmm. And you're just waiting for that. And that adds to the tension. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's the, the, the difficulty of adding. It's like you said, you know, you don't you don't want more people because more people means the more risk uh, the greater risk of sound. Mm-hmm. But you know you've got two adults who have the discipline to keep themselves quiet, and you know you have a a deaf daughter who it's not a challenge for her. Obviously, um, that would be the worst though. I, I guess I guess it's not. Yeah, that's not true because you have no idea how much noise you're making. Yeah, and there's actually one point where. Um, you know, they have a, in the basement of their house, this is where Lee keeps all of his, you know, his, um, um, his equipment, like, uh, his ham radio, um, and, um, all of his, um, surveillance gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's all, he's constantly trying to, dev- <laughs> to make a cochlear implant, f- like just trying to fix these implants to make them work for Reagan because, I don't know. That's another thing that confused me is why is she wearing it if it doesn't work? Yeah, I don't know. She was always wearing one, but it's true. Never, it never fucking worked. Um, but um, so she st- starts to go down these stairs, and Krasinski comes up behind her and you know grabs her and pulls her away. And he says, "You can't go down there." And she says, "Why?" She's like, you know why? And it took me a minute to figure out. To, to put that together, but it's because those wooden stairs creak. Mm. And I don't know if you noticed, but they had spots painted yeah. like where to step. But even if like, you know, wood ages, things start to creak that didn't used to creak. So at any given Again, point, no carpet, I would have carpeted the fuck out of those. Oh, stairs. Yeah. I would have put, I would have poured some fucking cement. Yeah. <laughs> I would have put cement steps in there with Ooh. carpet on them. <laughs> Um, but, uh, even it like, and they actually had that on the wooden floor too, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the house. 
just little spots painted where it's like, okay, these places are safe to step because they don't make noise. And, um, yeah, he says, you, you know why? And it's because she wouldn't be able to hear it if it creaked. Like she would just continue to keep walking on these steps. Even if they made noise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess saying that it's not a challenge for her to make noise. It's not a challenge for her to not, to not talk. That's yeah. what I should have said. Yeah. But to not make noise, she's probably even at more of a risk. Yeah. And she also has no idea, you know, if there's something around her, like mm-hmm. that she needs to stay still or whatever. And that's the thing. She blames herself for Bo's death because she couldn't hear it. Yeah. She was the closest to him and she could have grabbed the rocket and thrown it away had she even heard that it was on. Yeah. So she blames herself. She thinks. Lee, I mean, not to mention she gave him the rocket. Sure. Um, but she blames herself. She thinks that Lee blames her. And so it's just some tension between them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just, uh, there, there's a lot of levels to this. Oh, for I was sure. Really impressed with it. Yeah. Um, and I know that Krasinski just did the rewrites, but I applaud him greatly for both writing and directing. Um, and, you know, the other two, uh, Woods and Beck, just a great story. And I remember when I picked this, you're like, this doesn't seem like a story that would interest you. Like, you know, you're, you're right, but something about it just is drawing me in. And I'm really glad I did. I really thought yeah, it was done well. And uh, Lynn loved it too. Mm-hmm. Did, did you see it with Kristen? Yeah. Did she enjoy it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she really likes Krasinski and Emily Blunt, so she was probably going to like it even if it was bad. <laughs> um, I also love that uh, Millicent Simmons, who plays Reagan, is actually deaf. I think that's great that they... Mm-hmm. cast an, an actual deaf person right. and i was watching a video with her earlier this morning and she's talking about you know how she wants to be an inspiration to people who are not only deaf but uh, otherly disabled and that, that you know she wants to work with that community and be a beacon for that community mm-hmm. and um apparently it was really important to krasinski that they actually cast a, a deaf actress and not just you know someone pretending you know he was to this day he's jim from the office but you know, goddamn, he impresses me as an artist. Yeah, like he's really grown as an actor. I saw somebody on Twitter who was talking about this movie, and somebody replied and was like, "Well, since John Krasinski's in it, he's probably just gonna be looking at the camera awkwardly the whole time." And I was like, "You realize that's a character, right?" <laughs> he was like, supposed to do that. This isn't Jimmy Fallon on SNL looking at the camera all the time and not being able to stop laughing. Yeah, like his- that was his character. That's what he was supposed to do because it was a mockumentary style TV show. Yeah. His, his give John Krasinski some fucking credit. His counterpart on um, the the original Office did the same thing. Yeah, so give the man some credit. But I mean, you know, um, uh, thirteen hours. It's like really impressive work. Yeah, and goddamn it, he looks good with a beard. Yeah, <laughs> he rocked the shit out of that beard. I was jealous. <laughs> I know. I was like, his beard is so full and bushy. <laughs> like at the beginning, it was all kind of scraggly because it was only day eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Although I was saying, I was thinking to myself, I was like, it's been like 400 something days. You, that's all you got. Like, yeah. Your beard should be bigger than that. Come on. <laughs> Maybe he's keeping it trimmed. I don't know. How? You can't use an electric trimmer. That it's makes too much noise. Scissors. Oh, that's a lot of work. Not if you're a beardsman. <laughs> <laughs> also, who's given Emily Blunt these bottle jobs? Because her hair is meticulously dyed. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what color her hair actually is. I don't either. I've seen it red. I've seen it brown. I've seen it blonde. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's just like Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> True. 
Although I, I know she's actually blonde, but that's beside the point. <clears throat> um, yeah, great movie. Um, super tense throughout pretty much the entire movie. Yeah. And you know me. That's that's what I live for. I, I'm not a jump scare person. There weren't jump scares, though. There were a couple, but they were they were effective. Yeah. And, you know, this is they weren't cheap jump scares. This is Platinum Dunes, which I was very, very hesitant on, you know, involving myself with that. But FMB. Yeah. I mean, you know, Bay, Form and Fuller all produced it. But, you know, Krasinski, I, I, I don't know his directorial style, but um, it was clear to me that while there may have been some, you know, producer input from those three, that it was definitely much more of a, of a separate project. It's not, not something that was very familiar as far as Platinum Dunes go, especially because it was not so dark that you couldn't see what the fuck was going on. Yeah. That's what I really liked, is that the entire movie was well lit. Like, I wasn't straining my eyes to see what the fuck was going on, even in night, even at nighttime. That's true. Even like when they're in the the cornfields, when you would think it would be like so dark, but there's you know the, yeah it was, you were still able to tell what was going on. Yeah, there's plenty of like moonlight or you know or the backlight from the you know they had lights all over their farm. Did you wonder where the fuck that power was coming from? I didn't really think about it because <laughs> they can't run a generator. How do you know they don't have electricity still? Why would they? Why wouldn't they? Power plants. I mean, more or less run themselves now, but um, I mean, I guess this is you know, a couple of years in the future. I don't know. I just don't think a power plant would be running by itself after a year. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Of course, there was a waterfall. Maybe there's a hydroelectric. That was maybe another solar. thing. That was another thing. They uh, show the, that, like, if you're around a sound that is louder, then they can't hear it. The creatures can't hear it or can't hear you talk. Yeah. Because they he took... Uh, Marcus out to a, a waterfall. waterfall, and that's when he he just like yelled at the top of his lungs, said, "See, you're you're safe here. It's okay. You can talk." And that's actually the first time anybody the, spoke. the The first five minutes or so, there's like there's nothing. There's mm-hmm. you know a little like there's you hear Bo's footsteps and stuff. And I didn't know if there was even going to be a score. Yeah. Uh, at times, the score even seemed out of place. That's true. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So overall, just a really well, well-crafted movie. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the budget was on this. I don't know if you, 19 million. Okay. Or sorry, 17 million. So definitely not a low budget film. Um, but, you know, had that very, it, it really captured the isolated feeling, um, and the constant sense of danger and dread. Um, and I, I really like Krasinski, um, and I really like Emily Blunt, and those kids were great. They they all did a really good yeah, job. Yeah, the kids were really good. Um, that video I was watching earlier with, um, I already forgot her name, Millicent, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Millicent something or other. Millicent Simmons. Uh, she's talking about how they had to have a sign language interpreter on set, and also a, I think she called it a deaf consultant. Hmm. Was, I mean, did she actually speak? No. No. Okay. Um. Yeah. Good stuff. My, my my big my biggest complaint, and I hope this isn't a spoiler, but that baby doesn't cry. It cries like once. There are times when it definitely should have been crying. 
and it was not like, like right after birth like yeah that's <laughs> one of them uh anyway all right so uh i guess we'll kind of wrap things up here any f- last thoughts um I, I i talked to wisdom about it he he like messaged me literally when i like as i was leaving the theater mm-hmm. and he was like Did you see it yet and uh i said yeah i thought it was really good he was like i thought it was kind of meh he didn't really give me any reasons. He was like, I think it, he said I would rate it five as a horror movie, seven as a movie. Okay. So I don't really know. Why he just didn't think it was scary, I guess. But and it's, I mean, it's not scary. Yeah. You know, you, you yes, you've got these monsters, but it's not like a monster movie. It's, it's much more about the tension than it is about the horror of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can agree with that to, to an extent. Yeah. Um, but. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was horror enough for me. I like, and I thought the pacing was really good. Yeah, I w- it didn't was, seem like there was any lulls. That's one thing I worried about. Is it going to drag? Because just just it, silence. It's yeah. just quiet the entire movie. Yeah. Um, but it actually, yeah, it did move along quite well. And um, yeah, yeah, well done, you. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Halpert. <laughs> anyway, um. give it an eight i'm definitely giving a solid eight yeah you like solid eights yeah i give her a solid eight you don't have solid (laughs) solid eight okay three two one battle reference yeah i got it (laughs) (laughs) yeah man you got it okay so that's gonna be the show guys that's the show (laughs) show. thanks for tuning in uh make sure to keep up with us at graveplotpodcast.com uh, rate and review wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Send us an email. Let us know you did. We will send you a free magnet. Uh, follow us on Facebook or Guys, Instagram. We got hella magnets. So many fucking magnets. Get a magnet. Get one. Do, Do it. it. Do it. Do it. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And if you want to help out financially and get some exclusive content, including uh, exclusive monthly video reviews for shitty movies that you get to pick. Check us out at patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Send us $100, and Taylor will send you a picture of his butthole. For $100? Or whatever. <laughs> if that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks where we're going to be talking about Crypticon. Nope. No. No, sorry. we got one more. <laughs> one more before That's Crypticon. a ways off still. Uh, we're going to be talking about Hellraiser. Right. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the ones that Doug Bradley's not in. Yep. Uh, Hellraiser Revelations and the new Hellraiser, well, new-ish at this point, yeah. uh, Hellraiser Judgment. Yeah. So check out that in a couple weeks, guys. And remember, next Friday, um, we're going to be, so not this coming Friday, but the one after, um, we're going to be having a new Drunken Cinema. So check that out. Keep your earballs out for that. Be very excited. I just say keep your balls out. <laughs> That's not a thing that people do. <laughs> With one ball out. (laughs) Why'd you make me do that? (laughs) All right, guys. We'll chat with you next time. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. 